Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to the show. Brought to you with Levi Solicitors. There's a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Down with you today, along with Rob Conlon and Moscow White as well, while Michael is on his holidays. He's in Brian Montenegro at the minute, isn't he? Having a nice time. What's the uh, what's that film where they shrink somebody down to a tiny size and inject them into the bloodstream? In uh, Inner Space. There we go. Is it like that, but with Brian Montenegro and Michael? Correct. Um, TSB Plus members this week can find our Tosspot Tombola over on the Extra Ball video and bonus podcast. We're going through all the managers in the Premier League one by one and assessing them according to criteria such as, are they handsome? Would you like to go for a pint with them? Will they still be in a job by the end of the season? That kind of thing. Good fun. Um, two-parter that is available there on the uh, on the Extra Ball feed. The squareball.net forward slash plus for details of how to uh, to sign up for that. And into the football then. We've got actual football. We had a game at Ellen Road last weekend. We've got a game at Ellen Road this weekend. Football's back. Are you looking forward to it? I'm, I am actually. I got quite excited going into Ellen Road. It's it's good. I've um I needed that. I felt like I, I was feeling very optimistic uh, about this season uh, and the new squad and just this kind of new era felt necessary. And then watching a couple of games in Australia, I was a bit like, oh, I don't know if I'm actually that excited. Hearing Jesse Marsh say he's never finished a preseason and felt ready for a season didn't make me brilliantly confident about the first game of the season. But then. That was good. Six goals, Ellen Road, Summer's Day. Yeah, new signings. All good, wasn't it? It felt very nice to be there on, on Sunday. And I tweeted out saying it felt nice not to have the stress as well. Like it just came to represent stress to me, like in the final few months of the season. Everything from about Christmas onwards when you knew which way this one was heading. Uh, so to be in there, like you said, just in a t shirt, it was nice, nice, warm, relatively sunny evening. Six goals, new look squad. It's all very exciting, and I'm looking forward to it. It was that bit um, walking over the bridge from Holbeck and the street's been still relatively quiet and it was really nice to see Ellen Road and think, oh, I'm going back there. But at the same time, it was nice that it was relaxed and not stressful and tense. It was nice to see um, Calvin's banner is still there <laughs> on the northeast corner. They've taken the big ones off the east stand now. One of those mm. had Rafinha on, I think. It, in, the, um, in the concourse before the game, it was still flashing up the stats from last season. So we were being reminded of how many tackles Calvin Phillips made oh. uh, in a lead shirt, which was nice. They did. Uh, they made a mistake with those big banners. So I hope they won't repeat by putting two players on each one. So you double the chances of having to take one down. Just pick one player um, who isn't likely to be sold. Put them on the banner. 
and don't look at the square ball calendar for December. Have you noticed that Matthias Click is the uh, I think is a picture for September? So in if, our calendar, yeah, it'll be. I mean, that's yes. Transfer window closes on the first, doesn't it? Yeah. So another awesome piece of timing. We'll get around to all that. Um, well, let's talk about Elan Melier very quickly as well, because we heard from Robert Beedy, who got in touch via email and said his dad and him uh, avid listeners based in Perth, Western Australia, you know, where we just played the old football down under and all that. Uh, it's as much like a lot of Aussie-based supporters we follow leads on their pre-season tour of Australia. They were able to meet the whole squad and he asked Melier to sign a shirt and add Spider-Boy to it as well. He was a bit perplexed and when I explained, he thought the square ball was a game or something. Anyway, after spelling spider because we kind of christened on here, didn't we? We were just like, oh, he's massive limbs everywhere. Hmm. There seems to be loads of them. Anyway, after spelling Spider Boy out for him to sign, he spelt it Spader Boy, which is a little bit kind of a lower, lower kind of, oh, Spader Boy, uh, which I think is hilarious and sounds more like a French pronunciation. Uh, we, we bumped into him again at an event and he remembered the Spider Boy nickname. He even popped a reference to this on his Instagram story, which is there. Look at that. See that? Yeah, spider, little, Spider's Web. A, yeah, he's used both emojis, the spider and the spider's web. Anyway, just covered all to, his bases. No boy. Just wanted to share this little story. And they met loads of pod listeners on the tour, which is cool. Keep spreading the uh, keep spreading the words. And he got Jackie to sign his shirt as Haradonna as well, uh, with the correct spelling this time. And he says, warmest regards, Robert, which is nice. Nice that he got to meet them. Because we, we were kind of trying to work out the merits of going to Australia. And then you read that, and it tugs on your heartstrings, and you realise it was worth it all, wasn't it? Glorified meet and greet. <laughs> I want to know if he met uh, Joffy or Dan James and asked him to sign his shirt. Wizard rat or little scum bastard. <laughs> yeah, don't... Let's not transfer all the nicknames. <laughs> no. have, uh, anyway, let's... and it's probably for the best that they just let them think the square ball is just some game. Yeah. They don't need any more information than that. They don't know who needs to know who we are or what we're doing or what we're saying about their spidery limbs. Back... Spider in French is aronnier, which is quite a complicated word. Spider seems simpler. Like arachnid. Uh, oh, yeah, that'll be the root. Spider Boys did concede two goals at Ellen Road at the weekend. Did you have a slight emotional wobble when that five minute period happened? I must admit, part of me was almost disappointed Cagliari didn't make it 3 all given <laughs> the space of three minutes just to, just to see seen, what happened. Yeah, yeah, just seeing how tetchy Ellen Road could have got. Um, but yeah, I mean, should well, we, the, should the, we ignore the, that? Well, yeah, there was a carnival atmosphere there, wasn't there? Like, because the, um, the women's Euros happening at the same time, like news of what was happening there kind of filtered through towards the back end of the first half and then people dashed down to the concourse at half time to kind of watch the, the climax of that game. So... It was, it was, it was a nice, there was a party atmosphere in the air. I think it would, would have gone past, would have all signed and gone, ah, oh, bloody hell, ladies. Hey, oof. that was a close call, but I know what you mean. It was a close call with the third chance, the one that he just, yeah, he should have scored that. It should have been 3 3. Did you make it down there, Moscow or not? No, I decided I would watch the Euros because it felt more of an event. Yeah. And could, what, you could see what happened in the Calgary game later. I've been to Welland Road, whereas I've never seen, I've never seen England lift the trophy. So that was pretty exciting. And um, yeah, I decided on that before they tried moving the game to accommodate it, which predictably didn't work. Yeah, I, I'm guessing that Calgary must have had flights back or something like that. There was a logistical reason for them not being able to move it by several hours or What's whatever. What's the logistical reason for them scheduling it for that time in the first place? <laughs> that's, a que- that's a question I can't answer. But over 29,000 people were inside Ellen Road, which is, I think it's the biggest attendance ever for a friendly, isn't it, that? Which is good. The atmosphere was good as well, especially in the second half. I must admit, the first half, I was still kind of just wanting to know what was going on in the England game. Um, and Rodrigo's opener was very well-timed, actually, because I'd already said, oh, do you know what, in five minutes, I'm going to go and watch the last 10 minutes of extra time. 
uh, at Wembley. Rodrigo scored, sort of immediately rushed down to the concourse, literally just as Chloe Kelly's winner was crossing the line, which I would have liked to have seen him properly, but it was like, no, that's good. That is a good thing. And big rendition of Three Lions on the concourse, that was nice. Sweet Caroline. Um, yeah. Some people might not like it that much. Uh. But it was nice to see kids belting that out and having a good time. And then, yeah, in the second half, um, apart from that uh, little wobble where Leeds really tried to test the mood, it did have that kind of party atmosphere because uh, Rodrigo is now the best striker in the world, I think. It's funny, wasn't it? He had the occasional Rodrigo moment sprinkled in among all the goals in this game. And I thought, oh no, here we go again. But then he just seems to find his mojo, which I thought was nice for him because I really want him to succeed. You know, despite the kind of the piss we've taken out of him on this show, I really want him to succeed because he cost us a lot of money for one thing. The fact that he's probably going to be in the starting 11 against Wolves, which at the start of the summer, certainly when we signed Sinistera anyway, you thought, ah, he's, he's, there's not really a place for him anymore. The way things have opened up, we need him to be good. And yeah, that's why it felt kind of important. It was just getting, I have no idea whether Cagliari are any good or not, but just having a bit of momentum, a bit of confidence, a bit of fun. Likewise, seeing Bamford um, score two nice goals and especially the first one, he looked really happy about it, which again, you think, cool. So I, I can still do it. Yeah. And like just for us to see as well and the assist from Aronson, which we'd not really seen. We'd seen lots of running from him and stuff, but to actually see him play a brilliant pass. And then he got two more assists later on as well. It was like, all oh, right, okay, we see what these players can do. Let's I, go do it. I really like the look of Aronson. He's quickly becoming my new favourite. Interesting fact I dug up, he's only one month older than Jack Clark, yet they seem to be from entirely different generations, don't they? Like, Jack Clark seems like he's been around forever, but you still class him as a young player, whereas Aronson seems like a fully-fledged like international football, and yet they're only a month apart. It's just they've taken wildly different trajectories. Until you, until you look at a photo of Aronson in his day-to-day life, and he looks 12. Yeah. He probably, I mean, I think, um, I don't know how quickly Clark will be aged by Sunderland, but I would predict that they're going to go in very different directions. Although he scored at the weekend, didn't he? Mm. Uh, he was a header, wasn't it? Was it? I think so, yeah. Crazy. Has he still got his beetle cut? Yes, let's say he has. That's good. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, he is... Yesterday's man, old news. It's all about moving forward with Brendan and the boys. And uh, three assists, Moscow. Three assists. He you got. Cannot argue with three assists. And the yeah, the, the set pass. pieces, corners, the pass. <laughs> Talk me through it all. It all. I mean, I had the. I didn't have the giddiness uh, because I watched it back later. So that immediately gives you more of a kind of a arms folded. Where am I going to be impressed by this thing? And it was no. I mean, Calgary were garbage. That would be the miserable. The miserablest side of it is that's a really bad football team. And it was noticeable. Uh, I think Bryn, Law, and Tony Dorigo on the commentary were joking about the possession stats in the first half. And But it's a good w- workout in a way from that sense that I think it might be more difficult to get the ball off teams in the Premier League than it was to get the ball off Cagliari. But if you're practising the press and um, what you want to do, it's sometimes good to get into the rhythm of it against a team that um, will just collapse like a, a flimsy Lego castle in front of you and give you the ball every time you, you breathe in their uh, vicinity. But it was um, still got a score and beat the team that's on the pitch in front of you and six goals is very good. And it's good that those things, because that was the one kind of criticism from Australia is where's the cutting edge against teams that, I mean, Brisbane, did we score three against them? Two. So that's not enough. Six is more than two. So it's good that against whatever team we're playing, we can score three times as many as we did against Brisbane. So the, that's progress. The fact we actually kept the ball, though, was nice. I know they just gave us it, but 
previously we've watched it and it's just been chipped forward to Bamford yeah. or whoever's in attack and it's been pretty ugly to watch and we've not been able to keep it so the fact that they did pass the ball to players in white shirts is nice albeit the first half my main memory of that was Christensen just stood on the right wing with his arms in the air absolutely screaming for the ball while no one was around him wondering why no one was passing to him it was sort of like the bits from last season where you could see them trying to get the work the ball into the box and it was just not working working so that's really good to see that actually those little triangles is, is it the was it the first goal or the second goal one of the goals where it's worked in off the right it was who set up or who it was Rod- Rodrigo when he just smashes it into the roof of the net that's a really good move, wasn't it? Was it the first goal? Yeah, Bamford just nudged it back to him, didn't he? That's right. And all those things kind of, when when they were trying it in the stress of last season, not a chance of it working. And then there, it's coming off. And that gives you that little bit of rhythm that hopefully in taking the season and scores six against Wolves. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I like My big fear from the final dozen games last season was that we just didn't know what to do in possession at all. It, they looked completely lost with it. Whereas here... You can see exactly what they're trying to do, the patterns that they're trying to make, the runs that they're making, you know, in order to create those patterns. And I thought, ah, yes, there is a plan. And that that gave me a, a massive sense of comfort um, seeing that. And also having the players that understand the plan, I think. So it could be a really canny move that we've signed several Red Bull alumni, people who know Jesse Marsh, because they can just slot into this. They know exactly what's expected of them. And they looked like that on Sunday. You can see it with um, Aronson in particular. I'd not been totally in love with him on the Australian tour, but then against Cagliari, he was like two steps ahead of the plan. Like He knew exactly when to press. He was the one who was winning the ball in attack and doing all that stuff. And you could see, right, he gets this implicitly. And it's, it's the weird thing, that all of pre-season exists in that kind of fog where you don't know how many minutes they've had, how long they've been working on it, standard of opposition and all that stuff. So There's too, ma- too many variables. Yeah, so I didn't yeah. really, I wasn't like, making any judgments on Aronson from Australia. And lots of people thought he was like the second coming of Pablo Hernandez. I just wasn't seeing it. And then Cagliari, I see it. And I, now I think he's the second coming of Eric Cantona. Well, is this known as the Medford Messi, isn't he? So All him. Yeah. He's better than Cantona. But, I don't uh, know why I picked Cantona. I hear him. <laughs> it's the seven, I like Brendan. <laughs> oh, yes, they're wearing seven. Yeah, well, we'll talk about squad numbers. In due course. Yeah, um, yeah he was really, really busy. I just instantly see Christensen becoming a huge favourite. Loads of people had sort of sniffed it out early doors with him just from his, he's got that sort of Pontus air, air about him, hasn't he? Like celebrating tackles and free kicks and stuff. He, he sort of lives and breathes every every kick of the game, which I enjoyed. His um, Tyson Fury raising from the dead, from the, <laughs> the head knock, which was, that got the, Cause it the looks, biggest Because it looked cheers. serious, didn't it? At one point you're thinking he's, he stayed down here and they, they were kind of immobilising his head. So I don't know whether they were just checking him or trying to get the swelling down or whatever. And you thought, Oh God, this is just what we need. But then he just he just rose, didn't he? He was uh, he was down for a long time, and I think it I think it was almost maybe he noticed that the Calgary player had been taken off with his head in like a fishnet weird thing. I think once he saw that he'd gone off, he was like, ah, softy, watch this. Yeah, and then <laughs> it's just, a bad China. Yeah, I've seen yeah. the photos the day after. It's like it's almost. I don't know if he's gonna. No, it's ridiculous to say he won't be able to play against Wolves, but it's big. It, I, I reckon he just turned around. I've got another one. I can see out of that one. I think he should just carry on the Kiznarbo vibe and wear a wear a bandage around his head. I mean, he's not going to really help his eye, but I think it just helps the vibe. Him and Pascal Strout could wear um, eye patches and become pirates because Pascal looks like a pirate anyway, doesn't he? <laughs> yep. Robin Cock too. And uh, Rocker, I really like the look of him in midfield. You can see the uh, the range of passing in there. 
And so one of the things that we really struggled with in possession in those final 12 games was trying to pass through the lines, like the vertical passing, which is what the whole system is kind of built on, isn't it? Uh, the old penis ball. And I thought Rocker really makes a difference in there. You could see him just slotting it through into the likes of Aronson and uh, and Rodrigo. It seemed to be a lot of uh, nice stuff going on there, I thought. That was the one snap judgment I did make in pre-season was within 10 minutes at Blackpool, I had fallen in love with his left foot. I'm still in love with it, even after I watched him try and put that one pass over the West Stand in this game. <laughs> I think it's maybe it's that focus on verticality. As soon as he tried to pass it horizontally, like all his powers just went. So yeah. as long as he's passing forward and backwards, just don't look to the sides. He's going to be absolutely fine. But yeah, he's got a, an absolutely beautiful left foot and um, he will be good for the games he's not suspended for. I'm looking forward to him. Well, I was going to say this is the first time I've seen him and he's not looked like he was going to get sent off, which is improvement again. We're getting better in pre-season. This is what we're working on. <laughs> and uh, Adams alongside him looks good. As Adams, I thought, very, very industrious, just buzzing around there. But again, annoying to play against in the same way that I imagine Aronson is as well, just constantly there. They seem to complement each other really well, him and Rocker. You can see how Rocker does all the passing and Adams just gets about the pitch and is a little kind of terrier. I did notice the, the he was waiting at a free kick and the um, the referee was walking backwards and accidentally stood on his foot. And Adams gave him a bollocking, which I quite liked as well. <laughs> he is, he's quietly, Christensen's getting a lot of the hype for his sort of hard man stuff. But in Australia, it was um, Tyler Adams who was getting right in Jordan Ayew's face and um, starting all the scraps. While I've not actually seen Christensen get involved in um, any of that stuff. Like when McGinn went in on Archie Gray, he just stayed on the other side of the pitch when we we're like, go on then, go and, you know, take his face off. And, um, he didn't and then Saturday it was or Sunday sorry it was you know he's he's headboyed another player miles away from the ball by accident oh good tough man well it's actually Tyler Adams is actually going around and doing the um, winning the ball and winning the tackles and starting scraps so I think he's he's quietly going under the radar is actually with as much to offer in the kind of the the cult scrapper stakes mm. as uh, Rasmus but his name I mean Tyler Adams just doesn't sound as hard as Rasmus does it no and I think so far, on the evidence so far, I mean, there's a lot of football yet to play, but they look like pretty sound recruits, I think, the four of them. We've not seen enough of Sinistera to really make a judgment there, have we? I think, in fairness. To these... Sick note. That's my judgment. Sick note. Well, back in the next week or two, let's see if we move on to the injuries, and so will Liam Cooper, so probably likely to miss Wolves, but might be back for Southampton, something like that. I, I'm interested to see where he fits in this team, because we've signed a winger to replace Rafinha, and we don't really play with wingers, albeit... Harrison was really good on Sunday. I was going to say, let's actually just return to that. Yeah, width. Did you spot quite, I spot quite a bit of width. Yeah, so, um, it's a bit of both, isn't it? Where it's like if we go out wide to the left, the whole team moves to the left. Yeah. And then likewise to the right. I think it's obviously... Like the, cha- like the cha-cha slide, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's how Marsh has described yeah. it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, because it was Aronson on the right, wasn't he? And he's not really a traditional hug the touchline winger, which worked, worked really well. And Harrison coming in field actually um, did lots of good stuff there was one turn in particular which got a big ooh from the east end which was nice but we kind of span on the ball in the midfield didn't mm. he? Yeah, yeah. Jackie looked like he was um, I think some of the some of the bitch on the pitch advice was taken I mean he did then he, he got booked for fighting somebody didn't he and it was all taken to be like he needs to be more Rasmus-ish but I think some of it is decision making and just doing what he instinctively courage of your conviction do exactly yeah. Yeah. Um, and it looked like he was playing more in that style less thought because 
there's something about him. his first touch. Nobody, you don't see many players with the first touch as good as Harrison, and it's what happens afterwards. So I guess it's trying to apply the first touch mentality to everything else that because he does. The, because the first touch is all instinctive, isn't it? That's the thing, and then you have to make a decision yeah. afterwards. I was thinking that myself, but then thinking about it, like when he's watching a ball coming a hundred yards over the pitch, yeah, he does have time to think about it. So I don't know. I'm arguing myself out of the thing. Basically, <laughs> I know what you're saying. He just needs to just do stuff and play with more freedom. And he looked great. And I think the the wit thing is the further away from goal we are, the wider we are. And then it's all about sort of two diagonal lines pointing towards Funnel the towards penalty spot. Penalty so spot, yeah. you do see, you could see it in some of the Australia games as well, where um, Harrison in particular is the one who will put his uh, toes on the touchline. But it's always much nearer to halfway. Um, and then the nearer we get to goal, the narrower we are. And there's some times when you can see Brendan Aronson was going out wide, but he tends to go out wide to get the ball because it's there and then he'll bring it back in as, as quickly as possible. So it's it's that. Funnel. It's a funnel. Funneling towards yeah. the goal because as Jesse Marsh says, the nets are not in the corners. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the pitch. So that's where we want to put the ball. And it worked six times on Sunday. So maybe there is uh, there's truth to all this. Maybe it all just works. Maybe it all falls into place. Hey. Just returning to the injuries, yeah, Cooper and Sinistera should be back hopefully in the next week or two. So we're not far off a, a full complement. Hopefully, if they can stay fit and um, there's Forshaw as well. Do we know about him yet? Uh, he said him and him and Sinistera are both a week away. Furpo and Ailing are two weeks away. Right. Um, Ailing will probably take longer because he's been out longer. And then there's only Stuart Dallas after that. C- Cooper, were you saying um, the day after the game? He was back in training, wasn't he? So that would be that's Monday. right. Yeah, he might even be on the bench. A, maybe you know? fell off a treadmill, didn't he? He's hurt his Achilles on a treadmill. Is he injured at the start of every season, Cooper? It feels like mm. it's the first game of the Premier League at Anfield. He was definitely missing. That's true. I can't remember about last season, but we need to just look after him in the summer. Yeah, when he's left to his own devices, he hurts himself. Well, let's it's wrap up. Sign. Let's wrap up the squad issues and stuff. Then just closing out the thoughts on Harrison. Looks like he's got the number eleven shirt for this season, assuming we keep him. That's, that's nice, isn't it? I like to see a winger or a wide man, you know, a notional winger anyway. Let's know. keep him as well. Yeah, and give him a new contract. Yeah, give him everything he wants. He's really good. Good. Uh, Kiko Casilla, maybe not necessarily. Give him nothing. And we'll give him doing. absolutely nothing. Well, I think we've given him a payoff to go away. Well, he shouldn't. Have I mean, some, some things are just for the best, aren't they? We don't need to get into the merits of uh, of Kiko Casilla again. There aren't any. No, but he's he's gone now and we've since moved on from the club that we were then it feels like so it just feels better to have him gone elsewhere doesn't it I think is the, the kindest thing I can say about that yeah fuck off <laughs> yeah bye <laughs> bye Kiko we still don't have a left back should we sign one I'd like a left back yeah I mean that that was the thing with um, the game on Sunday because Cagliari's attacks and those three chances they had which they scored two of they all kind of came from out wide or certainly the, the massive third one which they should have scored was down behind Strauch but I do think that's kind of just the way we play. The fullbacks push so high up the pitch. Yeah. That's how we'll get caught this season. I yeah, guess. and yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. as much as I think we definitely do need a left back, you could sign the best left back in the world and if he stood in the opposition corner flag, he's not going to stop across. So, But we still need one. And no names yet though, but I I, I I, feel like with this, like the the idea that they've got to keep Furpo as the number one choice because it, and somehow they'd be doing him dirty if they got somebody else in to compete doesn't necessarily ring true for me. I mean, we can, I think we can see now, can't we, that Christensen's come in as the first choice right back so Luke Ayling's going to have to fight for his place what's wrong with bringing in a good left back and saying Junior Firpo's got to fight for his place well have they said all that I know they said that he's going to be 
they've implied that he's going to be first choice, but I don't know if all the other stuff, if it's out of respect for his feelings right. or if it's just that they can't find a one that's better. Mm. That could be the... Well, we can see, can't we? The thing. And, and nobody, I mean, I suppose it, it is technically... It's his shirt to lose because we don't have another left-back. So if you sign another left-back in August, that player then has to get the shirt off of Junior Furpo. So you'll say Furpo is the first choice left-back and whoever we bring in um, is going to have to challenge for that position. Um, but, you know, you could bring in somebody's grandma and the challenge would probably get ahead of Furpo quite quickly. I don't know. I, I like Furpo. I feel bad because I put in the... Um, the Observer, I did their preseason leads preview and I said that we need a left-back because the only one we've got is Junior Furpo and he's injured and nobody likes him. And I felt a bit bad when I saw it in print because yeah, it came I, out I, a lot colder than I thought. And I read that and it sounds very snarky, Especially it? because, but it's true. But no, you, because you, you wrote it in the voice that we employ on this podcast, I think, but well, it doesn't read like that. It's true because nobody does like him. and But I personally think it's a shame because he seems really nice, Yeah, um, all the things that he does, but I don't think there's a... If you were to describe the feelings of the Leeds United support in summary, you would say nobody likes him, but, you know, he's a good lad. And hopefully, because in the, the way we are playing with high fullbacks and all the spacing behind, he was brilliant in that first game under Marsh against Leicester, getting into the penalty area. He nearly, didn't he score? Or he was involved in the did goal. He, did he nearly score in the back heel or something mad like that? Yeah, he was in their penalty area and looking really good. And feasibly like his whole thing should work really well in what we're trying to do going forward and he whipped in um was it Blackpool he put in a couple of crosses and I was thinking that's actually a really good end product he's got there so if you can put all that stuff together he probably is actually the perfect left back for what we're trying to do problem is he's just had a year when he's impressed absolutely nobody and now he's injured again now there appears to be built of cotton wool yeah so he's um it's quite difficult for him to come back but um you know people some people do like him. I am one of the people who does like him, but I don't think it's inaccurate to say that in general he is not liked. Yeah, good to compete for a squad place, I think, which is the point I was making Can before. Luke Ayling use his left foot? Maybe. Um, what about Matthias Click? Because would you like to uh, keep Clicky for, uh, for a squad player? Because we've heard noises from Jesse that seem to imply he's off because he wants to play for his World Cup place. I'm not ready for Click to leave Leeds, just on a personal level, on what an about, emotional what, level. What about on a football level? Um, Can we afford to thin out the squad? I'd, I mean, that's the thing, isn't the whole point of this summer that we just get loads of midfielders and don't let anyone go, really. But I think you do look at those positions and he is quite far down the pecking order wherever he might play. And yeah, I've had a sneaking suspicion for a while that him and Marsh just hate each other a little bit. But I don't know. I did When we did the um, the season review of all the players on the extra ball, I did kind of say with Click, I envisaged a situation where he hung around for another six months, didn't really play and then left in January, but I didn't factor into account the World Cup with that. And as Marsh is saying, if he wants to play in the World Cup for Poland, he really needs to, to play some games which he might not, which he doesn't look like he's going to get here. Because you look at, you know, we've got Adams, Rocker, Forshaw, even Sam Greenwood. JB. JB. I mean, he's Archie Gray going to be ahead of him. It's, and then if he's going to play as a number 10, well, you think Aronson, Rodrigo, these, these options. Yeah, Sinistera. Yeah, yeah, these options everywhere for him. And I guess it's, I guess it's up to him to a certain extent of how much does he desperately want to play first team minutes. And there's the issue um, as well as if we do get another versatile-ish forward, which is what they seem to be angling at. You know, like if we'd have got Charles de Ketelaer who could sort of play anywhere across that, that front line. Mm-hmm. If we get someone like that who can play in this on number 10 roles, that kind of shuts another door, doesn't it? But yeah, I'd just be sad to see him go. I, lo- yeah. I love him a lot. 
Yes. He's, he's a fun man, isn't he? He's a fun man to have around. It's a bit of the the difficulty with the squad size theory that we're, we're almost too quickly bumped up against that this is sort of why you some teams prefer to have small squads is because you have players who are unhappy and then don't want to be around. It's not as, um, it's never as simple as you just sign all the players and you just get to keep them all because you get somebody like Click who just go like, well, I don't want to be just a squad player. I want to move on. And then that does create then implications of, are we back to square one with a small squad? Do we need more cover or um, are we actually going to be all right? It's just kind of a bit of a reminder that it's, um, it's not as easy as just signing loads of players and having a big squad. Yeah. Some of those players have um, their own kind of things that they want to do. Well, um, like playing. <laughs> yeah, basically. Being a footballer. That's the thing Victor Arta did say last season. It, I think it was even after Bielstra had been sacked. But he did say the small squad thing that he did want to continue with that. And he does, he thinks that's the right idea of having a small group of senior players and um, complementing them with younger players. And we have to be fair to Marsh, we have seen that he will stick a young player on. Mm. So that it's, does make, perhaps it does make players like Click kind of out of the picture a little I bit. I read over summer, um, there was a bit, I think it was ESPN did an article about Pep Guardiola and how Manchester City won the league last season with the second fewest players used out of anybody in the Premier League. And then they had um, a bit about him doing the reasoning of why. And listening to Guardiola talk about his squad size, he says he prefers to have 18 players who can cover for different positions and he will use, um, if there's an, an injury, he will move a player to play to a different position um, rather than call up a reserve, but then he augments them with the youth players because he prefers to have a small happy squad than a, a big squad of lots of other. And it was exactly... Bielsa that, isn't it? It's Bielsa yeah. word for word. It was quite spooky um, reading it. And that it, it kind of reminded me a bit because the small squad as a concept got massive kicking last season because the injuries um, absolutely blew a, a hole in it. But then um, the idea that it, it can never work is kind of disproven by, you know, Manchester City do all right. And we did all right. And we did all right the season before we finished to ninth, uh, finished ninth, and I think um, it was kind of a reminder that it comes. There's two ways then out of the the pickle Leeds got into last season, which was either um, better players, which is how Manchester City make it work, because they can bring Grealish off the bench, and you know John Stones can play all different positions, and, or Calvin not off the bench, or Calvin not off the bench. But then Calvin is the perfect player for them as well because he can play centre back, he can play two positions in midfield, so he, he, he's three players in one for their squad, or you go for more players of, let's say, lesser quality, which I think is maybe where we've, where that difference with the January business and Bielsa in general not wanting transfers is where we've gone the other way because he wanted players better than what we had. And he used to say, I'm sure he's, he was asked about how much it would cost to replace Stuart Dallas and he just laughed. Like, if you want a better player than Stuart Dallas, you have to pay a fortune because of all the things he can do. Whereas we've, um, under Marsh, gone for more, um, a bunch of players who are probably about the same level like I look at uh, Tyler Adams is probably not as good as Calvin Phillips was. And so he might get there in the next couple of years. That's kind of the bet. And then Aronson feels like a younger click, but none of them are kind of like, we're not bringing them in as a better player. We're bringing them all in as more of a level, mm. which will mean a stronger squad. And they've got the potential to become better. I, don't, I think some of them are better though. I well, do, they might be. I think like Rock has got certain, you know, what, what he might lack in, you know, pace he's certainly got in quality and range of passing and I think Adams has got high level experience I think Aronson has got high level experience I I think they might already be better some of them it's the two I guess it's the two the distinction is I know what you're saying to sign instead of signing one player who is better than Calvin Phillips we've got 
Adams, Rocker, Foreshore, who can all do that job and could be. It's kind of the thing. So instead of going for that way, we've gone for spreading it a little bit. But then Click wants to go and it kind of blows a, a hole in it, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's a tricky old world out there and it's not as easy as um, one or the other. Final bit in this section then. Um, Somerville, new contract, 2026. Uh, Sam Greenwood, same story. Joffrey till 2027, five-year contract. And one of the notable things in this is the number 10 shirt going to Somerville, which is... That's a proper dick swinging move, isn't it, from Somerville? I, I kind of respect that. Yeah, I, when like, I, I want that. I want that shirt. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, really? And then I, the more I think of it, I think, all right, fair enough. You've yeah. really backed yourself there. Like it, it's down to you to, um, you know, you can't you can't take the number ten shirt and then just spend a season because playing for the twenty one. It's had some bloody big names in it as that number ten shirt, <laughs> hasn't it, over the years? Alioski, Hunt, Ricketts, Constantine, there's, Edgar Charney. There's a lot to live up to. Yeah. It, it reminds me of. Um, when Messi was leaving Barcelona and there was a story that Martin Braithwaite was like, can I have the uh, number 10 shirt? I, I can think, like he's going into contract negotiations going, well now Rafa's left. Well, Martin, know- it's, it's lunchtime. We'll talk about it after lunch. Come on, well, let's go to the canteen. I also maybe think that he's gone, look, I know you've signed Brendan Aronson and he wants a number 10 and they've just gone, oh, actually he's taking number seven. He's going, all oh, right, okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the, the story with this, isn't it? It's when Paveda came in and grabbed number seven and now, where is he? Or number 24, I think. Yeah, and on, on the way out. <laughs> and on the so, way out, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? It's, it? it's maybe interesting that Greenwood and Joffy have just gone like, yeah, we're happy with our shirts, not asked. And um, I suppose he just has to do something now, doesn't he? You, you, <laughs> yeah. can't, you can't just take Rafinha's shirt and then not produce. And there's a lot of expectation with Somerville because of how brilliant he looks in the under-23s. Um, I think it's fair to say he's not really translated that to the first team in his uh, limited minutes. But bloody hell he expects so far, to. <laughs> he certainly expects to. Um, but yeah, and putting that shirt on his back, he'd, he'd better. Or else. I don't know what I'm going to do if he doesn't. It would be like... Punch moan about it on a podcast. Yeah, well, he, well this thing is, he, um, he was almost moaning his way out to alone abroad, wasn't he? Because he wanted to go and play in Germany because he wasn't getting the, the first team minutes. And it is kind of a... When you when you add it all up together, you do worry that he's maybe getting a little bit ahead of himself. Maybe, and I do. Yeah, it's a curious one because I'm surprised, actually, not to be too deep about it, that, that Marsh has let him because he was one of the players who last season he said, "Yeah, I've had to have a word with Somerville about um, some of the the way he is in training and kind of how to be a footballer to get his back his his head on track and kind of you'd think with the the things that he says about player development and he's, I'm surprised he's sanctioned that or maybe he doesn't have a say maybe it's just um, he can do what he wants it might have been one of the terms in his contract you don't know do you I mean what if he wants to be captain <laughs> you know do we just like, <laughs> yeah, go on him, man give it yeah, to him yeah, it's yeah, absolutely fine. It <laughs> yeah so it's it's an intriguing one but it's, there's no doubt he's putting the pressure on himself so good luck to him and I hope he uh, he turns out as good as he looks because if he can turn his under 23s form into first team form then I won't care about Rafinha anymore all his free kicks can hit the crossbar forever. We're delighted to have Levi Solicitors back on board for the new season, 22-23. They're going to be with us all season and you can get your 10% discount on your legal fees. Loads of stuff for your business, loads of personal law as well. Details at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Go claim your discount. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's time to do it. Football's back. Let's preview Wolves. It's exciting. Hey, do you know this? It's the first Saturday, three o'clock kickoff, according to my uh, Wikipedia research, since 2014 when we lost 2-0 at Millwall away. And it's the first home game in four years since Bielsa arrived. You're kind of burying the lead with 2014 Millwall away. Hocker Day's finest hour. <laughs> I suppose. Not quite his finest hour. But, um, Lewis Cook's finest hour, wasn't it? His debut. Debut Proudest came on. moment of his career, I gave, Came on and gave away a penalty. Funny, isn't it, the first game of the season because nothing's off the table. Your optimism is never higher in the season than right now because you look at that table, there are 20 places available. You never quite know where you're going to finish. You've got a good idea. I mean, Wolves are bottom, so we should smash mm. them really, shouldn't we? Yeah. Stop the count. Yeah, stop <laughs> yeah, the count. we take this now, wouldn't we? <laughs> uh, do you think there's any residual beef from last season's uh, mad 3-2 affair? Or is that all in the past now? Do you know what? I'd forgotten all about that because the end of the season was so mad. Because that was early on with Marsh, wasn't it? Um, I think, was it Liam Cooper shouting fuck off at their bench? It, it all yeah. got a bit... Um, got heated. Yeah, it was it good. Was I really man. enjoyed it. It was hilarious, actually. Nolan Kenny got his yellow card. Forgot, yeah. The highlight of his Leeds career, which he did mention when he left for, <laughs> for Hibs. I enjoyed that. He's quite proud of never playing a game but getting a booking. <laughs> um, I'm sure, I mean, I don't know if they'll have let go. I know it's that um, we've heard on the other shows, the Observer preview, the Bournemouth fan has us down to finish 20th. I wonder what, what that's fueled by, though. Is, is that a... Is that a genuine objective opinion or is that maybe coloured a little bit by Bournemouth's general opinion of Leeds? I think it's the general opinion, the 1990 stuff. I was was thinking we should go and uh, we should smash their town up again because (laughs) it's a bit petty them hanging on to it since, I know we hang on to the the European Cup final since 1975, but that was important. Nobody understands, like people will read that, they go, why is the Bournemouth fan put Leeds down as 20th? And nobody gets it. So lack of lack of context means we should destroy their town. Well, yeah, because then people will know. If because if the Bournemouth fans are saying, "Well, they smashed our town up in 1990," mm-hmm. most people will just be like, "Well, I wasn't even born." What are you talking about? Whereas if we do it again, people will be like, "Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, those Leeds fans are rotters. Like twentieth is the least they should finish." So yeah, maybe it's time to um, renew hostilities so that they've got 
real reasons to moan about. Saturday the 29th of April 2023 and so on. We'll get that, uh, we'll get to that when it comes around, I guess. I can't Uh, wait to see you leading the charge, (laughs) Matthew. Down in a single breath. Um, Raul Jimenez, who was the, he was the antagonist, wasn't he, I guess, in that game. He was certainly the pivot around which the game changed when he got sent off for his brutal assault on Ilan Melier, uh, Spader boy. They were, um, they were shitbags in both games last season, weren't they? Mm. I've sort of forgot the home game as well, which was absolutely infuriating, just the amount of time wasting they did. It was Connor Cody well, headed, you, yeah, heading the, the ball away. And then, <laughs> Connor Cody headed it away and then went down holding his head. Yeah, you're a centre-half, mate. There, there should um, be, I mean, I know we've, we've got to be careful with head injuries, but there should be some sort of punishment for that, surely. It was like the... Uh, the like wasting it, police time. Was it, was it Lee Tomlin's red card for Donny at Bradford at the yeah, weekend? spectacular, that wasn't it? Yeah, that was brilliant. We need a bit more of that in the Premier League. But yeah, he's out and they've not really signed anyone, have they? They've signed Nathan Collins, mm. the centre-half, which I feel like is based entirely on that goal he scored for Ireland in the summer because he just got relegated with Burnley yeah. last year. Yeah, and they had Fabio Silva as well, who's a, a forward, 35 million quid club record signing on loan and on loan and Alexa at the minute. Yeah, it's good. Him and his out means, one, we might see some football because he can't just lie down all the time. And then two, um, the big thing that Wolves fans worry about is that they can't score goals and he's their striker. So, but then some of the ones I was reading were saying that actually him being out doesn't make any difference because T won't score either. Yeah, they're, well, all, they're all a bit much of a muchness. Yeah, I had a poke around on their sort of forums and blogs and stuff. I had a read of Wolves blog, which is a blog about Wolves. Uh, reckons that they do, they lack an attacking focal point and they rely more on like late runs into the box. So there's some searing tactical <laughs> analysis for you. Well, I, I texted a good mate of mine who's a Wolves fan and kind of said, what are you expecting this season? And he replied saying... I think we're in genuine danger of going down. And really? I was like, I can't tell if you're taking the piss or not. Because he knew we were recording a podcast and I was like, we know nothing about football. Can you please inform us? Yeah. So I was worried that he was trying to trick us, but he was like, no, if we don't sign a few more players, I think we're in for a really long season. But that's basically what everyone in the Premier League says. I was looking at Marco Silva the other day at Fulham. Was, I think they've just bid for four centre-halves because they, he's only got two and he's only got 16 first-team players or something. Did you see what Scott Scott, Scotty, Scott, Scott, Scotty Parker um, said as well about his Bournemouth squad he was like yeah, yeah we're, we're terribly equipped for the Premier League we're, we're less equipped for this now than we were when we finished the season last season wait until we've been you <laughs> <laughs> I've had ground left but, um, but yeah so is everybody miserable in the Premier League I think most people might be mightn't they I think the risk with Wolves as a prediction for the game is that they're all worried about their squad and they're worried about Neves being sold by the end of the window and those things don't really help us they're still their first 11 is actually pretty good. And that and that's the, their general vibe, actually, is that they've got a good first 11, but they lack strength in depth. Discovered that from poking around on the, I think it was Molyneux mix. Yeah. So it's maybe this is where five from nine off the bench comes into play, which is something I do not, I am not looking forward to that. I think it is the ruination of everything that's beautiful about football. It's not quite that bad, but I don't like it. But I think it could help Leeds because if we've got a bunch of super fit uh, RB inspired Marsh boys sitting on the bench and we can ring them on in the second half. That's what Barnsley did in the championship when they had that freak good season with the guy who went to West Brom they used to just play the first half at 90 miles an hour and then bring five more off the bench and play they would play the second half at 90 miles an hour. If Wolves have just got a bunch of losers their fans words not mine on the bench uh, whereas we have nine great young men then who's going to win the second half? Us. We just mm. make sure nil-nil at half time. 
Yeah, as things stand, we arrive at opening weekend with more trepidation than anticipation and many questions about how well this squad is equipped to deal with the marathon that's to come. Don't care about any about that, anything about that. We only have to play them once at Ellen Road, and that's the that's the problem. If they've got a marathon, that's their 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 problem. Deep squad, don't care. Just put out a lousy first team. That's my request. There are some fun echoes um, coming down from last season as well, which you remember obviously was 1-1. Ellen Road with the late goal. It was the Joffy penalty, wasn't it, when he was, again, brutally assaulted by one of their thuggish centre-halves. Um, and then Rodrigo scored it and the place went bananas. One of several times that that happened at Ellen Road. Same ref, you know. Same ref. And I think we're likely to see Joffy start on the bench. So you imagine Joffy comes off the bench, second half, it's Robert Jones, and again, looking at their forums, they're concerned he will bow to the crowd again like he did last <laughs> season because Leeds fans were baying for a penalty. It's all, it's all set up to happen again. Oh, well, there's the conspiracy against them, isn't there, as well? That was the thing oh, at the, yeah, after yeah. the away game. Keep them out of Europe. <laughs> yeah, so from day one this season, they'll be giving us so many penalties. Absolute nonsense. Wolves in Europe <laughs> would be a great thing. They're a fine old club. They were one of the first to enter European competition from these shores, and it's a great story history and it's absolutely fine I would love to see they've been in Europe like in the last few years got be in Europe again that's fine that, that would be lovely I don't think anybody's trying to stop that hmm. apart from the, the deep state conspiracy that Rob just mentioned <laughs> well it's the Chinese government that they have to worry about really because that's where the, the ownership lies and I think that's part of their big fear is that um, well the money seems to have dried up doesn't it a little yeah, bit yeah Fosun uh, doing all these I mean they've they've rinsed the Wolves fashion brand as far as they can oh, in the, the Far East and they have a big concentration on the esports teams, which um, I watched. Uh, in fact, it it was on the blog. I might tweet it again before the the game, where I looked at their extracurricular activities, and they had a bunch of young lads who lost at a computer game being dragged in front of a, a video camera to one by one sort of review how they'd failed um, the Wolves brand. Which is, you know, I'd like to see them do that to Connor Cody at some point, or you know, drag. Do Leeds Fury need to watch their back, or is that? Um, well, Lee. Leeds Fury is isn't is my understanding that's more of like a collective thing that anybody can get involved, whereas this is actually like a team. It's like the the first team of esports, whereas right. Leeds Fury is more like a platform that anyone can bunch of mates hanging with. out, yeah. But we do have the less um, sort of communist government kind of. What's he called? He's he's called something like Aleppo, but that's not his name. Um, Geppetto. <laughs> no, uh, but had a, had a little wooden boy. There is a guy who represents Leeds in the competitions, and that's kind of where the Wolves brand is. But yeah, so the feeling is Fosun are much more asked about all that stuff than actually buying any footballers and like they can have Elder Costa. I was just about to say if George Mendes can't find him any new yeah. players, we've got one for him. <laughs> they could give Perfader a swing as well, take the two of them if they um if they fancy. Well, in a bid to sort of improve this section of the podcast, because our previews, they've always felt like, you know, paper thin, like tracing paper, toilet paper yeah, thin. That's quite in depth. We've discussed their squad, yeah, well, the, the tactics, the ownership. I don't I'm, know what I'm, more people want. I'm going to go tactical on your ass now and say that you'd be aware that they played like a back three slash five last season. Mm. It seems to be they've been playing with a back four. It's, uh, Large has been trying to get him to play with a four instead of a, uh, instead of a five at the back, which, you, you know, you wonder, is that going to be bedded in enough? the changing tactics with their players. How will they cut with the net of Leeds' pressing and all that? I think we'll just beat them, to be honest. I think we've, so. We've stuck a load past that brilliant Italian team we played at the weekend. You're just riding the crest of this wave. Yeah. He might as well, haven't you, at the start? There was some talk of him maybe sticking with the three at the back rather than going for a back four away from home, but nobody seems to know. Nobody seems to know. 
Well, your uh, your fellow who coaches them is renowned for being quite responsive. He does loads of research into the opposition and then comes up with a extravagant plan, kind of bespoke to them. It's not a just stick our side out doing what it does all the time. So if I was him, I would probably be looking at our left back and picking Adama Traore. I think that's one of the things we maybe need to to worry about is a combination of our left back, our high defensive line, and the fact that he is, um, uh, they say he's quite fast. So all those things could um, be a problem. But what we've just got to count on then is that when he does get in behind, that he just blasts the ball into the uh, the stands behind the goal. Because he's, that's pretty much in character. We should stop him getting it, shouldn't we? Well, not if he's just going to stick the ball out for a goal kick. It's just like um, defending against Huckabee. Just looking at their pre-season stuff. Tasty. Yeah, they've played a bunch of teams. They played a behind-closed-doors friendly against Levante. Against Ian Hart's Levante. <laughs> yeah. Uh, four red cards, two apiece, before half-time, it seems to be. And this happened in Benidorm. This has got all the makings of like a of a bar brawl, hasn't it? It's just like when um, the West Brom team went away and the uproar, like, was it Gareth Barry was flipping a golf cart and stuff? We've just yes. had sort of a lad's holiday like that. But was it that game that... There were all these red cards before half time, and then they just had a word with the ref. I'm like, can we just play 11 v 11? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, they just reset half time. They basically calmed everybody down and put two two different teams of 11 out. It sounds like a Neil Warnock pre season in Cornwall. I'm just, oh, it'll be fine. I uh, mean, it's all right. I, I think that's allowed, that's sensible, <laughs> me, because you're not, you're not getting anything out of a 9 v 9 game in uh, pre season. So fair play, all involved. But, and it didn't even look that violent I was going to say can I read out the, what they've put on the wall so the Wolves website is obviously going to be passed through the prism of their own sort of very vanilla um, take on the situation just before the break chaos erupted as Mascara took another heavy challenge but the defender reacted earning himself a red card this led to the Levante substitutes and coaching staff racing onto the field in response followed by the Wolves men on the sidelines and the referee also pulled out his red card for Ennis Bardi once tempers were settled the game continued and Wolves came close to an equaliser when blah 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 but the midfielder while being sandwiched by two defenders, one was unable to direct the ball on target. Both sides finished the half with nine men after Dan- after Daniel Poden saw red after he reacted to another tough tackle, leading to more unsavoury scenes on the field as the referee blew for half-time. There we go. I think it's a bit of, from what I could gather, it was one of those pre-season misunderstandings where one team has turned up for a kickabout and the other team has turned up for a really hard match. <laughs> and uh, hil- hilarity ensued. I was going to say, it goes into the second half and it's just like... <laughs> So yeah, we went back to 11 asides. Despite the feisty ending to the first half, the players didn't seem to have learned any lessons as the challenges <laughs> continued to be coming in hard, especially from the Spanish outfit, with Hodge being pulled to the ground, having made a clever turn and so on. Why continues. is Steve Hodge playing you know, pre-season friendly when he's a multi-millionaire having sold Diego Maradona's shirt and also quite an old man? I've no idea, Moscow. I, I mean, if Wolves are turning up with Steve Hodge in midfield, I quite fancy us to win. He was giving Ian Hart the runaround. <laughs> um, normally we rely on the... Um, the information of the internet charlatans who score.com for where this one's going to go. They show like strengths, weaknesses and stuff like that. Nothing. Got nothing well, on, nothing no, they on needs, Wolves. They need some data no to analyse first, don't Like they, number so. Johnny Five from uh, Short Circuit, isn't it? He needs we'll know next week when we're playing um, Southampton. Yeah. They'll have all the info. There'll be the Red Bull derby. So I had a look on um, 538, you know, the statistical algorithm model people who predict stuff. Who predicted we'd be down. Yes, they did predict we'd be down. They have as well, I'll come on to the season finish in a minute, but they have run the numbers on this one and they reckon we've got a 39% chance of winning. Wolves 35, draw 26. So are we taking that? We're going to go for a 39% win. Does that mean, what does that translate to as a final score? It's like... Uh, 39 to 35. Right. That's going to be exciting. (laughs) Yeah, that's what they said. We take just over a third of the points, I think. 
that what comes out of it. Yeah. The points or the goals? Both. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, know. we're just being silly now. Let's win. Yeah. But we're marginal favourites is the point. And they reckon we're going to finish the season 15th on 41 points. They run the season thousands of times, like using their silly algorithm to predict what will happen based on stuff. Yeah. And they say 15th on 41 points. And there is a 27% chance that we will go down, they reckon. Yeah. I mean, the we've done a... Champ- sorry, champ- of, Champions um, League, 2%. I mean, it's a chance, isn't it? Mm. We've done a, a survey of TSB Plus members as well with, that's going to be in the first issue of the mag, and we asked them um, where uh, people expect us to finish in 14th with the average prediction. And um, that seems to be about the vibe everybody's going for, Is which is weird. Well, it's not weird. It's, it's kind of... Do you not believe in the wisdom of crowds, Moscow? I think we're all quite confused by the season to come because if you take the excitement over Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams and um, all the players we signed and how good they look and how exciting Joffy's coming, going to have his breakthrough season and Bamford's back and he's going to score loads of goals. It sounds like we're going to be absolutely fantastic. But then people then game it out and go, oh, we'll probably finish about 14th. If we do finish 14th, it's, all, it's that weird pre-season way. Everybody's... You're never more optimistic than you are in preseason. You're also never more mature because 14th and mid-table and we'll accept that and that will represent progress. We look last season. 14th. I was going to say, let me, let me revisit this in about five days. Well, <laughs> last season was Aston Villa finished 14th and they lost more games than we do. They lost, uh, they lost 19, we lost 18. They won a couple more, they won four more. But they had an awful season until Gerard turned up. And when I was reading their pre-season prediction and one of their fans was saying, if they're still around 14th, 15th by Christmas, then Gerard should be going. So there's not, it's not possible. It feels in pre-season, you can sort of sensibly say, I just hope we have a good solid season that's calm and we end up finishing 14th. But it's not possible, I don't think, to finish 14th and have a calm season because you are either really close to relegation all the way through or you have a really good start and then the second half of the season is terrible or Southampton. you're terrible and you're in the you're 20th until Christmas and, and then you have to sack everything and sell everybody and then build up from there. It's not a comfortable... It, it sounds good in theory. It's just a reminder of like how strange this bit of the season is when everyone's like, oh, feeling, you know, all, everything is in play, isn't it? Melier, Ballon d'Or, but also we're going to concede so many goals that we only finish 14th. It's kind of none of these things, you can only get away with this in, in pre-season or I quite like to just keep that fantasy bubble running all the way through the season and just ignore any of the seriousness that people try to bring upon it. It's just, um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's fun. Good old <laughs> game football. We can, anything can happen. Mm. Uh, Imagine yeah. if we finish better than four. Because if, if Aronson, Rocker, Adams, Christensen, Sinistera, then Joffe... Greenwood comes through. Somerville earns the number 10 shirt. Bamford is scoring every game. Melier is the goalkeeper that we want him to be. We sign an amazing new left back and Robin Cock lives up to his potential and Pascal Stroik comes through as the player, um, you know, the new Van Dyke. We'll win the bloody league. Mm. But um, I'd accept that. That would be great. But then I don't know how those things, like which one of those things is not going to work that we end up finishing 14th. Well, it'll it's probably, quite, it'll uh, probably just be a few, a few things don't quite hit the heights that we expect. You know, there'll be a, maybe an, an injury the winning or two. games part. Yeah. I mean, I think this season for me, it's just about keeping those, you know, in the first season back up, I and mean, it was kind of all new and exciting. 
and we just kept the wins ticking over. We never went more than a few games without a win. I think that for me is what we have to see this season is we don't go into any big ruts like we did in that first season. We are going to lose quite a lot of games because that's just the nature of the Premier League and about where we are. But if we can just keep those wins going on the board, maybe if we get five on the board before Christmas and you think, well, we should, you know, by any reasonable standards, stay up this season because we know you need basically nine, let's say 10 to stay up. I think if we can get, a lot of people are saying it's quite a relatively soft start. If we can get three out of mm. the um, the opening month or two, then we're, mm. we'll be all right. Well, That's the key, isn't it? To kind of get somewhere up towards eighth or ninth and then just sort of stay bobbing along at that point uh, above the fray and then get don't get dragged down further than 14th because the the difficulties of getting around the corner of the World Cup in the, the position that we're everybody's predicting us to uh, finish is that it's fraught with danger. It creates all the questions that we want to avoid. That's the thing with that first season back that we weren't, it wasn't until like the last five games of the season when we went on that little run that we broke into the top half. I don't think we were sort of around 12, 13, but it just felt But there's always that fine. Bu- there was always that buffer, wasn't there? That's the thing. Well, that's the thing. I think I'm just really conditioned from us finishing 15 for whatever it was in the championship every year. But that was obviously 24 teams. Yeah. So I was thinking, oh yeah, I predict 15th. But then I look at this table and that means there'd only be one team between us and the relegation zone. I was yeah. like, all oh, right, we can't finish there then because that would be awful. Yes. Yeah, so, so they've got a 16th. Did I say 15th before? I meant 16th. Oh, 16th, sorry. Right yeah, there, either yeah. way. Either way, yeah. Um, um, 16th was Everton. Southampton were 40 points. So they yeah. were two points So yeah, just to add, I'll just read it out. So Forest 20th bottom on 35. Again, but you, you again. This I think this overestimates the number of points the bottom team. Oh yeah, I mean five thirty eight rubbish. Yeah, so Forest bottom uh, with thirty five points, Bournemouth nineteenth on thirty six, and then Fulham also on thirty six, but uh, the place above in the league table. And then it's predicting Southampton in seventeenth, those in sixteenth, Everton Wolves, and that's Newcastle, where you know Brentford. it's that's where you know this is rubbish because we're finishing above Everton. Yeah, I'm quite confident that we won't go down as a as a bare minimum. This season, Everton will go. You know, we've got it from Scott Parker's mouth that Bournemouth are going. Fulham, uh, yes, the Fulham preview, again, in the Observer was their fan saying, um, the big thing this season is that uh, is Mitrovic, who we know can score at any level. Well, no, no, we no don't. <laughs> we know categorically that he cannot score in the Premier League. So if they're pinning all their hopes on, oh no, this time Mitro's going to come good, um, they'll go. Forest, I mean, that's just a big mad experiment, isn't it? So that anything could happen at Forest. I'd like, I'd love to see Brentford relegated, but we can't say it out loud because those weirdos will fucking jump on us again. So let's just pretend they're not even in the division. Um, but yeah, Everton will, will go down. Um, who else don't I like? <laughs> they're mostly all right. Let's Newcastle because they, they'll they'll realise they're nothing without Jackie Harrison, and they'll just um, implode and go down. They've probably signed all the players who've turned up there. The few are all like, okay, well, if Jackie's coming, I'll sign. And then when September comes around and he's still playing for Leeds, there'll be a gasp and there'll be a mad walkout. And, and, and again, this this sort of, I think, because it goes on their sports performance index. So like it's based off what you've done most recently, I think, like how the algorithm works. So we're obviously weighed down slightly by what happened last season. And you look at Leicester, who have possibly been artificially inflated a little bit there because they, they're sort of up a mid-table they're not numbered, sadly, these uh, league positions, uh, as we've discovered. Um, but they're sort of about eighth there, ninth, I think. Um, but I think they might be in for a rough time. Schmeichel's leaving, isn't he? They don't seem to have any money to spend. They've not renewed any anything in their squad, really. Madison could be filling the yeah, Haradona hole made, in Newcastle. Yeah, it made me think when you mentioned Newcastle, they're going after uh, after Madison. Yeah, so they they might plateau a little bit or, or dip. But they I, could that's do not, what we did last season. Yeah. 
Yeah, my, my takeaway from the Calgary game is I started to think we should be all right. And I, and I hate myself for thinking it because I know it's it's a fool's errand making predictions at this stage, but hey, here we are. I feel like just having optimism and some good vibes goes a long way in the Premier League because like I say, everyone, and a plan. Ev- everyone a plan. hates it. Yeah. Everyone's miserable. Everyone's sort of already saying, oh, actually, we're not going to do anything without signing five more players or whatever. And I think for us to go, yeah, left back would be nice, but actually we're better now than we were at the end of last season. That's a good place to be, to be honest. And having a plan. I think what we saw, my fear was that the plan just would not work. But then I saw the plan on Sunday against an admittedly weak side and thought, there is a plan at least. Yeah, you know, we, we know it a... works in Serie B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, that... but it, should, it should work enough and effectively enough yeah. against enough teams that we should stay up, you know. For all my kind of, um, kind of not really jiving with Marsh, I've never thought that he's going to relegate us or that the football won't be like fun along the way. So, yeah, I'm not really expecting any sort of relegation trouble. And <laughs> it is possible that I mean, it's just... I think it's holding the nerve is the thing because that was kind of the failure of last year is that, you know, we were 16th and we had a chance of like an easier run in than the games that Bielsa had just been losing and we we hit the button to blow it all up kind of creates a precedent then where it's trying to keep the nerve that we didn't show last season that if we are, you know, if we're 16th but with a good run of fixtures ahead, like don't just sack the manager and go crazy. There's other ways through, but you know, the precedent set. So it's how we how we avoid getting ourselves into the areas where those decisions become a question. Win games, Moscow. Win games. Well that's it. Yep. And it starts on Saturday. Are you going for a win? Yes. And it will feel really nice afterwards. Yep. Moscow. We're gonna win three nil. That's that is bold. That is bold. Mm-hmm. Why not? We are never more optimistic than right now, so let's do it. Let's complete the set. It's only Wolves. Three home wins. Thank God Michael's not here to drag down the... uh... (laughs) Oh, the other thing is Wolves. um, Their away kit's quite nice, but it's teal, so it's not great. And the home kit's really boring, so that's another reason why. Make it 4-0. Okay, fine. There we go. That's the prediction then. 4-0 victory. Top of the league, presumably, by uh, close of of the weekend. When a Man City playing. (laughs) Actually, no, I mean, Haaland can't score, can he? So that's not going to be a problem. He's, He's a dud, isn't he? Well, there you go. That wraps up the show for uh, for this week. We're back with all the usual stuff, propaganda and the match ball and all that stuff is coming in the wake of Wolves. Uh, we'll speak to you then. The Square Ball Podcast. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com covered. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.